cycling is an amazing thing and that allows us to escape some of the stresses, the pains, the strife uh, that we have in our everyday life. It's a moment to, uh, you know, get out there and, and, and be in the world and enjoy the wind in your face and, and push yourself a bit. Uh, but sometimes the super serious stuff in life uh, happens in cycling too. And so the Yeah You Ride podcast wants to dedicate this episode to Michael Gollartz, who lost his life uh, during Peru Bay. Here's to you, sir. Gentlemen, it's good to see you here on this evening. Welcome to episode 44 of the Yeah You Ride podcast. This is the Bodie Bodie. Hey there, Bodie. This is the T-Bone. And this is Sochirio. Guys, what a weekend. Yeah. It was jam-packed with some amazing things. Um, it from was. Stuff happening in France to stuff happening on the West Bank to stuff happening in frigid Alabama. Yeah. I mean, I, there was just too much. I didn't want the weekend to end. Um, but I think we should move right away into the big event of the weekend, and that is Peru Bay. Uh, yeah, it was an amazing race on Sunday, and uh, we all watched it uh, together, both uh, live watching it on our phones uh, at the gravel circuit race before the race got going and uh, and then watched the full replay at urban south afterwards and enjoyed the race and everything had concluded and it was well and truly over i think before any of us had really gotten the news about michael Golarts. right it sort of reframes your perspective on the whole thing when something like that happens i mean it, it doesn't it doesn't diminish the event it's still an event still an amazing victory from uh, peter sagan and, and an incredible race uh, but it kind of reframes it and sort of puts a new significance on the event when something like that happens. And I don't know, you know, for me, uh, I, you know, I, I think about I think about his parents. You know, here's this guy's 23 years old. You know, his parents are, you know, watching him race in this race. I mean, I guess maybe because I have a teenage daughter, not not that old, but. Uh, Gosh, I mean, it just uh, imagine that it's just uh, you know words really fail you when you try to describe what that would mean to to his family, to his teammates, you know, to people that knew him and raced with him. You know, imagine being in a race and having someone that you know and care about and consider a friend and a competitor right. know, die in that race. It's really tragic, and and uh, appreciate what you said, and and just echo. Uh, everything that that people have said about it well yeah and i think also you know i'd seen 
people had been reposting his Instagram where he'd, you know, shown there was a shot of him going up the Muir in uh, Flanders. And you think, you know, this guy, young young rider on a small team. I mean, they're, they're all riding for Wout. They're not, they're not a big team. And to get that invite to both Flanders and to Roubaix, I mean, it's got to be an absolute dream come true for, uh, for, for, for those guys, you know, for being a, a domestique on that team. And, uh, you know, his elation at being riding up the moor in Flanders and, yeah. and the crowd and everything. And then, you know, and then the tragedy the following Sunday is just, uh, it's just, I mean, it's incredibly poignant, isn't it? You know, uh, the, the front from the, the the you know from the ecstasy to the to the agony and uh um yeah i think we still don't really know i don't really know exactly what happened i mean i heard during the race that the announcers had said that he had to be um choppered out of there to the hospital so you knew that it was something really serious um but they didn't say anything more than that during uh during the coverage but uh, yeah, I think from from uh, for everybody uh, who loves cycling, it's something you never ever want to witness, and uh, you know it's also I'm sure for every for the families of every bike rider out there, it's got to be something that is does uh, that you know there's something that is in the back of your mind. It's a dangerous sport, and uh, and uh, you know and and horrific things can happen. Horrific things can happen, um, but also some really beautiful things happened on Sunday, too. Yeah. And I think we should talk about the guy, the man, who won the big show. By the way, Sagan, you're welcome. I had you on my fantasy squad, and I dropped you. It's not that I don't like you. I wouldn't believe in you, but I was just trying to gamble. I dropped you, and you won Paris-Roubaix, your second monument. Yeah. You're welcome. First, uh, first world champion to win uh, Paris Roubaix since uh, Bernardino. Is that right? I think so. I think yeah. No, I think I think that has been confirmed. Yeah, and yep. uh, I don't know, guys. I mean, it was a, it's a pretty amazing race. Uh, Matt, I had sort of poo pooed Paris Roubaix last week, and mm. I spoke about how awesome Flanders in. Well, I'm all in on Paris Roubaix this week. Okay. Roubaix is awesome. I mean the cobbles, the the crosswinds, the the twisty turny cobbles, the crazy right hand turns into more cobbles. Yeah. Um, you know, it's pretty flat, which is great, but it's flat and dirty. Flat and dirty. Um Yeah, it's, it was it was a lot of fun. I woke up at five and I watched it at five, and then I left to the race, and then we watched it at the race, and then they were still racing when I got to Urban South. At three thirty, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> through through the magic of uh, replay, but yeah, it's uh, well, no, I mean uh, the whole race. So when we got to Urban South, you know, it was like okay, Paris Roubaix viewing from two to five. Um, that the the, um, the ladies from uh, of uh, Boss uh, uh, putting on uh, putting on the viewing event there, and so I brought my Roku, and I was like. Yeah, I think uh, I think we should probably cut, you know, maybe the first three and a bit hours out of it, and yeah. just go from just before Arenberg, uh, you know, because it's uh, 
and that's crazy. That's late in the race. That's so it's what 250 odd K something like that. And that's inside, that's like 95 K to go is yeah. when they hit Arenberg, which is, you know, they've already got 150, 160 K in their legs. They've already done a hundred miles before they get to there. And, uh, you know, it's just such a war of attrition, uh, big crash, some big crashes early on that split the group. Some big favorites got put, put off the back and had to really, uh, Burn some matches to get back up there. Well, that happened twice. I think uh, I know Arno Demar had uh, gotten himself off the back. I think with a flat the first time, uh, and and possibly had uh, uh, Nason back with him, and and they spent a bunch of time chasing back on. Finally, got back onto the group, rode with the group for a while, and then there was a, a crash that sort of separated the group, and they had to chase back on a second time, and. Uh, I think that pretty much did both of them in. It's got to be tough. Imagine having to chase back on in a in a race like that. Yeah, you know, which ac- is across so, that sort of those sorts of roads. Yeah, and because it's so flat, and because they let the you know, so there's a break of what I don't know about nine nine guys something like that uh, that goes off, and they get a you know they let they give them enough rope so that they can try and catch them probably just after Arenberg is like kind of usually where it seems to seems to happen although didn't really play out quite like that but um they stayed that you know they stayed out there a long time well one of them stayed out there a very long time but yeah. uh it's the pace of the race is just astonishing to me i mean those guys are just hammering all day there's no it's pretty relentless really isn't it there's no there's no like hey we're gonna just you know sit up and and let things go because they don't want to let the break get too much of a gap they can't let it get too far ahead because you don't know what's going to happen you don't know if you're going to have a mechanical if you're going to have a crash or whatever they you know everybody is um just wants to get there as fast as they can well and then you know you also have the the sort of pace that's necessitated by riding over the cobbles who was it that that had that incredible uh, description of of riding the cobbles maybe maybe it was tom boonen who basically said you know if you don't hammer the cobbles the yeah. com- the cobbles will hammer you yeah you know you can't ease up on the cobbles you've just got to go full gas across those yeah um, it's actually smoother to go faster it's smoother to go faster i believe this is a matt referred to this last week as gravel watts in this case cobble watts Yes, cobble watts sounds way cooler than gravel watts. Actually, we <laughs> don't have yeah. a lot of cobbles around here, though. So no. yeah, but it, 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 there is that thing you you get to a certain velocity and you're kind of floating on top of it yep. rather than sinking down into it and getting you know hammered by it. It's uh yeah, it's uh, it's quite a phenomenon. So uh, let's just kind of go stream of consciousness here with this thing because there's so much to talk about in mm. Roubaix. But you know, I hear you talking about hammer on the cobbles. Uh, first name that jumps to my mind: Marcus Burkhardt. Yeah, uh, watching first. him hammer across the cobbles. He he led the group across the uh, the Arenberg Forest. Yep, and uh, was on the front and just did an amazing uh, turn on the front. Uh, obviously, uh, Berghardt and Daniel Oss, another guy who who did a bunch of work and is just a beast. Uh, both working super hard for for Peter Sagan and the hard work and right. positioning and everything. Uh, obviously, paying off. But uh, those dudes were just crushing it. 
and you know, and once again, uh, you know, Van Evermint had Oz last year, that's right, and he won, yep. and you know, this year Oz is with Sagan. Sagan has more tools. Maybe that's you know, that's why he's able to um, get away when he does. Yeah. I'm here. I'm looking at a photo in the Armberg, and, and before we leave that, I want to talk about. Uh, is it Marcus Solar? Mark Solar. Mark Solar, the movie Mark star Soler guy. Who, in the break. Who, who just, just won Perry Nice. Yes. GC rider yeah. in the break at Perry Bay. I like a guy like that. Well, like he's, he's a big guy, and people kind of are referring to him as like the new. Big Mig? Indurain, yeah, the new Big Mig. I mean, he's. But I think they say he's not. He's kind of a cross between. He's, got, he's not as big as Big Mig. Um, he's a very good time trialist, um, but he's also a very good climber. They say he's kind of like if you took, you know, Big Mig and Contador and m- melded them together. If he, they had a baby, he sort of. If they had a baby, it would be Mark Soler. Uh, yeah, so he's somewhere in between the two. He's not as great a time trialist as Mig, and not as great a time trialist, uh, uh, not as great as climber as Contador. But uh, apparently, he's pretty good on the cobbles too because he stayed. Uh, he was at out in that break for a long time. He was one of the last four in the break, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and speaking yeah. of guys who are in the break all day, I mean, obviously a big up to Dillier yeah. for being in that break. And then when Sagan came up to them, holding on to his wheel and sprinting him out in the velodrome. And he did, it wasn't a gimme. I mean, we all pretty much, safe money is on Sagan, but he... He gave up a fight and he rode the track well and I, I thought he did everything he could. I mean, yeah. it just he you know, so before we even get to the velodrome, let's just talk about the fact that I mean, he was pulling through, he was taking his turns. Yeah. I mean, you know, anybody oh, yeah. many other people in that situation, you know, knowing that they've got nothing to lose, they've got a gap, you know, probably gonna be trying to sit on Sagan a little bit more to save a little something for him. Yeah. But he 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 pulled through, he was he uh he was working with Sagan to keep that to, to keep their gap and make sure that he was going to finish second in that race. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, you get that situation, you get that ticket, that golden ticket when the yeah. three-time world champ comes up to your break yeah. and is steamrolling to the finish line of a monument, you get on that train yeah, and you don't get off. And you help when the conductor says, put some fucking coal yeah. in the engine. Well, and he also said, he said, you know, Sagan is an angel and a devil. You know, uh, that was his description. Like, you know, this is, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting the ride of my life to the Roubaix podium, um, but I've got to try and out sprint the world champ. But funnily enough, Sylvain Dillier was under 19 track world champion in the sprint, so, sprint world champion. Yeah. I mean, so he can sprint. He, he knew what was up. He came to the and velodrome. He can sprint on a track. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he got himself. He was in the front when they came into the velodrome, which is not the spot you want to be. But he was very aware. He went right to the top of the boards. Um, he was waiting for the attack by Sagan, and, and when Sagan, you know, dove dove down and attacked, he, he, he was dove right, right there. on him. He was right, right there. He was not like yeah, he, he didn't miss a turn. No, so he knew what was up. Um, but I mean, Sagan just had more than he had, and just—I it, mean—it's just I mean, at some point the horsepower kicks in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, can we talk about how I mean, Sagan? Like, I'll back this up a bit. So, and I talked to you guys about—I sent you guys a message. Uh, um, Sagan had made some comments about you know how other racers need mm-hmm. to stop marking him and watch Quick Step because. 
they're winning races and they need to work with him. And right. Boonin essentially, maybe some of his lost in translation, told him to shut his mouth that Sagan has a certain way of racing. And if you're going to race that way, then you got to deal with the consequences. And so Sagan tweeted a photo uh, at the finish line of the World Championships, his first win, where, where Sagan, uh, Sagan is, had turned around and He's was like high fiving yeah. people as they came across the finish line and high fives. Uh, Boonin and it was a heart emoji. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Sagan really kind of, I mean, I think this was a definitely, he, I guess, answered the critics. I don't know if that's the right term, but he, he made his own way in this race. Um, he had a, a solution to quick sex problem. And I mean, he essentially, it looks like he just, he doesn't even attack off the front. He sort of just tempos away. And I guess because of many attacks that had been going at that point, yeah. other teammates didn't have guys there to close the attack. He has two Bora guys in there to kind of kind of block a little bit. But that was it. I mean, he, he, he moves off the front and no one does anything. No. Nope. Well, yeah, and you kind of think to yourself, and it certainly... In, in hindsight, you think, okay, you see the guy with the rainbow stripes on his jersey? Yeah. Like, that's probably the dude that you don't want to let ride off the front of this race, right? He basically terpstra, terpstra. He, he did. He did. But, <laughs> you know, thinking about it, one of the reasons he was able to do that, and Bodie, you alluded to it, is because... You know, everyone was, I think, expecting Quick Step to do something like that, and they had just concluded doing yeah. a little round of. You know, Stebar had gone off the front, yeah, and Gilbert had been off the front a little bit earlier, and they just gotten, as you th- say, through a round of these little sort of like dummy attacks, if you will. Van Evermint put in a, a, a big heavy hit too. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and and you know, it was always Wout had already done a bit at that point too. Wout right? had done it a couple times, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. He'd gone. He in fact, you know, had gone off the front and then had had on almost on his own shut down a couple of those earlier dummy attacks. And then I guess it just was sort of like he kind of ghosted everybody, right? He just sort of, you know, made it seem like it was just maybe his turn to do a little dummy roll-off. And, you know, there it was, Just right? kept going. Just and kept it, going. And it didn't take him long at that point. He did it at the perfect point because it wasn't that far to the guys in the break ahead, right? At that point, they yeah. were maybe like 30 seconds or something. Right. So it, he, was a, it was an easier gap to bridge yeah. at that point because... When uh, Stebar did it, he was just sitting on his own in the wind for a long time. It just it just wasn't going yeah, anywhere. Well, everyone else who had done it had sort of gotten stuck in that no man's land where they were just essentially dangling off the front, and the and the group was never too concerned with them. Um, inevitably, they were all shut down, and I, I guess maybe maybe everyone was collectively thinking the same thing's going to happen with Sagan. He's just let's let him dangle out in the wind for a little bit on his own. And it'll tire him out. Yeah. You know? I mean, we've all done that, right? In in group rides, you, know, you get somebody that kind of goes off the front a little bit. Like, well, you know, let them tire themselves out, and we'll catch them, and then they'll be cooked for the sprint or whatever. Yeah. Um, not so with the three-time world champ. He had enough right. left in the tank. Oh, and it was late enough in the race. Yeah. That he could stay away on his own for a while. But it was and, still and not completely tired. 55k from the finish. That's still a long, right. long way to go. 
But you know, but then again, remember he it was sort of a move in two parts. It was the move or three parts really. It was the move to kind of get away, roll off a little bit. Yeah. And it was the move to bridge up to the break. And then, you know, phase three was consolidating it with Dillier yeah. um in 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 that break. Maybe, you know, I mean maybe Dillier really is the man of the match. Oh, yeah. uh, for everyone's uh, account, especially Sagan's. I mean, he's lucky to have had him. You know, and, and Sagan always talks about how he wants to not just be a great bike rider, but a great entertainer. And I think he also threw in a little bit of that flair. I don't know. You guys have seen this. We talked about this. At some point, Sagan is adjusting his stem with the <laughs> wrench handed yeah. to him from his team car. Yeah. During Paris-Roubaix. Yeah. Why he's in the winning break. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Or at, le- at least tightening a stem bolt. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what sort of amount yeah, of adjusting he was, adjusting his, was going He was on. tightening his stem bolt. He had a freaking wrench he had a, in he his had hand. A, he had a five mil Allen wrench. He was <laughs> adjusting his stem bolts. And uh, I almost his... like half expected him to do it for Dillier as well while he was, you know, while he was riding along. He's like, Is, hey, can I, do you want me to tighten yours yeah. up as well? Do you need help? Uh, there was there's some tweet and I'm just gonna murder this tweet, but there's some tweet about how he someone kept expecting Sagan to pull his bars off and show George Hincapie how it's done <laughs> and ride in with oh, no bars. Oh, poor George. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, gosh, Sagan, I don't I don't know what to say. Two monuments, three world championships. He did it in a really great way. I mean, so, sort of like Flanders, you know, he, he attacked from a long way out. Uh, he, he didn't go solo this time, but he went, he, you know, he he did, wasn't sitting on a move or no. wasn't in a small break and sitting on and then sprinting people. You know, he made his destiny um, with his race. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I just can't, I guess I can't say enough about him. Um, I like him winning this race. You know, me and my girlfriend were sitting in our car before the boss crit and uh, she had also dropped Sagan from her squad, and but she's like, I can't be. I'm not mad at him though. I want to support him. I like him. You know. You can't be mad at Sagan, really. So yeah, it's it's just great stuff. It was just a really, I don't know. It was awesome. I obviously can't say anything unique about it, but just great. Love it. Yeah. Into it. So, um, what do you guys think about the gold bike? I know there was a lot of stuff on the interwebs about you know. Should I missed Sagan all that. A gold bike. I missed all of it. Or is that he's not an Olympic champion? He's not the or... Olympic champ. I don't care. Yeah. I, think, I think Sagan can ride whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, I mean that's a thing, right? He's three-time world champ. Um, yeah, that's, that's is gold. gold in the world champ stripes? I think there's a medal, right? There's got to be a medal. Yeah, I mean, I guess the whole Sagan collection is based off American muscle cars. I mean, if you had to, if you had he to, he does say, own a ridiculous like seven. <laughs> what kind of car is Sagan? I mean, is Sagan like a Pontiac GTO or something? I think he has a like a Hemi, some ridiculous like seven hundred horsepower Hemi Cuda or something stupid. Yeah. Wait. So oh, you mean he actually he owns actually that owns? Car. Yeah, he yeah. does actually own a, a ridiculous muscle car. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Sagan and his tires, or his car tires, uh, you, Matt, sent that photo of Nikki Terpstra mm. squeezing Sagan's tires on the bike podium. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Nikki's check, Nikki was uh, saying, oh, and what, uh, what pressure you were running what there, buddy. What running? Well, so let me ask you real quick. You're talking about a bike podium. This was, this was a podium. This was not the podium for the race, and they had bikes with them. This no. was a separate podium that was for bikes only. Yes. All right, so what's your ruling on that? 
I think that's okay. I, I think that's it. fine. Yeah, it's fine. So if it's a podium of bikes only, no people. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, you do realize you, you can't just, you know, a local road race and you have a bike podium. Like, no one cares at what stupid bike you, you know, won your local Cat 4 crit right. road race. But it's Roubaix. I mean, tech is important. Like, you know, there's a whole, like, week of recon and we fucking geek out about tires and shocks. So, yeah, yeah. And we have, we have, we have you know, photo galleries of everybody's Roubaix bike in the week leading yeah. up to the race. And we have close-ups of their mech and all their tech on the and bike. The post, and the you know, yeah. you know, they don't wash, you know, Cancelera's bike or Matty Heyman's bike has not been washed, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's fine. So this is, it's really more of sort of a photo op for people to sort of take post-race photos of the winner's but bikes. But don't, don't anybody think that, there's going to be a bike podium at Harbor Master. No. <laughs> Unless you win a race on some ridiculous bike, then, yeah, maybe I'll make an exception. Yeah, and there's just a unicycle podium. That's yeah. all there will be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you win the Cat 3-4 crit on a Surly Steamroller with panniers and you know funnily enough are, uh do you were you there at the time it was at the yes uh, i most definitely was the crit championships in gulfport yeah in gulfport the and i had fenders a guy won on a surly uh was it a cross check or whatever or the touring bike and he had actual like racks and yep. stuff on there and he out sprinted uh, andrew doe yep uh to to win yeah. Well, I don't even know and I do ever... believe they actually did bring his bike to the podium. They did because I mean, yeah, it's it a was hilarious. Bike. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was also when they had like an eight-person podium at that race too. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, lots of other stories in Perry Roubaix. Uh, Taylor Finney, eighth. Yeah. Great. Tay Tay. Oh, yeah. we're, we're gonna we're gonna lay in at some point in this podcast. We're gonna lay in some Tay Tay audio, aren't we, Matt? I, I think interview? we have to have some Zen of Tay. Yeah. I mean, in anything there. he says is uh, audio gold. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, was, eighth place. He was, he was stoked. Yeah, eighth place. I mean, he was working for Sep. Uh, Sep kind of sept. Sep sixth. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's that's sepping it. I mean, yeah. he he came into the velodrome in a group of five or four and he got last out of all of them i mean that's you know he was in the front yeah in the velodrome he, he pulled the sap i mean you know he just puts himself in the the worst positions um you know and we then didn't... finney led the the following group in and i think yeah sprinted them yeah uh we didn't talk about nikki terpster got third he dropped that group at some point we never saw that of because of the cat and mouse in the velodrome, so dropped we, him like a bad habit too. Yeah, it was beat him by gap. forty-five seconds or yeah. something. So Rode we, in by himself into the velodrome. I mean, would you say Terpstra has kind of had fantastic? Yeah, the no, winner had, of the classics the so far would be Terpstra. Yes, I mean, I mean his results. Well, he won E three and he won Flanders, Flanders and he was third, third at Roubaix. Roubaix. Yeah, so. it's pretty pretty good going. Um, yeah. Everybody's favorite writer, apparently. Apparently, this will be here. Yeah. Yeah. No one likes Terpstra. <laughs> um, any other notes on Roubaix? Any other? Uh, I don't got anything else really. Um, um, I mean, I was the thing. One of the things that one of the things I noticed this year actually is all the graphics this year. They really kind of like stepped that up with everything, like the 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 TV graphics for the cobbles and the and the 
the graph i think they've kind of like made it they've gone very there's like a very sort of like slick marketing kind of thing going on with their identity you know they've got their own like kind of their Paris roubaix logo um they're sort of like the letters are in like sort of like cobble form and and yeah. and then all these like little all the little graphics and stuff they've done for the race which were really nice it's very slick you mean for the television production the, of the television race. production but also like throughout everywhere like the signs for the sectors and everything it was a whole like integrated yeah it campaign. was very well branded very well branded yeah and then the other thing which i noticed was like what was oakley had like all over the there was so much advertising this year i'm pretty sure sagan's number was screen printed on that too yeah sagan's number printed onto his skin suit uh and then the other thing that just blows my mind about roubaix and they don't really they never really i would love to hear i would love to see um a sort of a a documentary like a little documentary piece of what a team has to do to prep Roubaix, like leading up to it and on the day, getting all those people uh, with wheels and bead-ons and everything to all the sectors and to the... I mean, it's a massive, massive undertaking yeah, for it's, a team. It's a, it's a race unlike any other in that it's really not directed. It, it can't be directed from the team car or the team cars in the way it can with a regular roadways race where you have yeah. you've got two team cars one that's going to follow the brake if your guy gets in the brake the other's going to stay behind with the peloton uh and it's fairly plays out fairly normally a lot of these roads are virtually impossible for the team cars to get to the riders or the riders to get back to the team car on some of these sectors so like you say matt you've got people from the team wearing usually a team kit or a team gilet yeah. uh, to identify themselves standing on the side of the road, either in these cobbled sectors or, uh, often or just at the just end at of the one. End, or, yeah. Uh, holding wheels in the air, holding bead ons, you know, lots of, lots of bead on hand ups. Yeah. Um, I even saw Patrick Lefebvre, the boss of quick step was there on the side of the road, holding, holding bead ons. Uh, everybody is involved. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I don't know if you guys also listen, there's a Cycling Tips podcast talking with uh, Kaylee Fretz when he goes with the uh, EF Education First presented by Draypack team, and uh, he kind of breaks it down that, yeah, they just grab anybody and anyone, the right. marketing guys out there in a, you know, G-Lay handing up wheels. Um, yeah, it's... And those, and all those wheels are all glued up with tires that are just for Roubaix. They're not using those you know, for Roubaix and Flanders, possibly, right? Yeah. They're not really using that stuff for anything else. So their service course, they all have a service course in Belgium or Holland or whatever. They must have hundreds of wheels glued up, ready to go for for the classics. It's um, it's just astonishing, the, you know, the the undertaking. Yeah, that would be a great... Uh, Matt, maybe you should think about making that. Down. Bodhi, you're a bit of a filmmaker. Maybe you should think about making that... Uh, documentary yeah trip. let's just get us over there yeah take a trip over it's the other thing i think that's that's really cool um is uh, just the crowds and uh, you know i don't know i mean it's just something something unlike other bike races uh, i mean i guess you see it some in flanders with the crowds that gather on on you know on the koppenberg or the or, or the petterberg or the on the top of the mirror at the by the by the church yeah but you know, to see the crowd that's gathered 
at the entrance to the cobbles in the Arenberg Forest to see just this mob of people that have come out to this spot that really isn't anything other than this spot in the forest where the road ends and these cobbles begin. Yeah. And just the thousands of people that are there just to see for one moment, just one instant to see these guys, you know, enter this hollowed section of cobbles is, is pretty cool. Yeah. What's the one cafe? Car de... Car- oh, and Carrefour de l'Arbre. Yeah, there's yeah. the cafe there. That cafe like a- cafe d'Arbre, de l'Arbre. I think seems like called. a sweet spot to go. That's a good one. Right on that corner. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so... Uh, do you guys want to talk about the women's Paris Roubaix? I would if there was one. Oh, huh. Womp womp. Uh, a young British lad won the juniors Paris uh, Paris Roubaix, uh, and he's on the uh, Backstead Hot Chili team, run by Magnus Backstead. Oh yeah, Paris Roubaix Hot winner. Chili. Big Maggie, right? Hmm? Big Maggie. Big Maggie. Yeah. Uh, another just a little like a uh, fun fact. Uh, our friend uh, Matt Urschel posted in our Facebook group about the gentleman that was 19 who finished Peru Bay alongside yeah. his brother. Yes, pretty great. I mean, I think he's the youngest finisher in a long time. So 19. That's yeah, and, they, and they finished like 40th or something. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine they came in together, right? Yeah, Perry they, in 19. It wasn't like they finished last, you know, holding hands well, in the air crossing the that, finish line. That together. might have been last. Yeah. <laughs> no, there was there was actually a hundred finishers this year. Wow. Um, yeah, DNF started at uh, 101 was the last rider. Uh, Simone Concioni from UAE. 20, wow. 26 minutes down. Um, Other than the fact that the organizers are kind of lame, just getting back to the idea that there's no women's Perry Roubaix, is there is there any stated reason for that? I mean, is there is there is there some excuse that I, someone has given about why they? Oh, can't I'm sure do there's that? plenty of good excuses. I mean, it's an ASO race, right? So I believe it's ASO, yes, and um, uh, they don't have the best track record for uh, supporting women's racing. Their, their attempts at the uh, you know the what are the la course or whatever i don't understand like, it's like they keep trying to make it's like they it's like somebody convinced them that they needed to do it and then they were like oh we don't really want to yeah i don't, the, I don't the, the women's tour de france was better 35 years ago than it is now i know like they've lost ground yeah in, in, with respect to the to the the tour yeah, de france it used it's, to be a real stage race yeah i don't i don't understand yeah aso uh, you know, get get it together because uh, because people want to watch women's racing. We did see Katarina Nash. What, funnily enough, Bodie, you and I were talking last weekend, right? Weren't we about um, because we were talking about Flanders and the fact that there are actually two cyclocross races that we know of. Yeah, that are actually on the Flanders route. There's one that there's Koppenberg Cross, obviously. And then there was there's one that actually goes around the hill at the top of the Kapelmoor. And then we were like, oh, there isn't. But Roubaix, you know, this was, I think, part of you poo-pooing Roubaix. Yep, yep, part of and it. And saying how awesome Flanders is. Yep. We were like, oh, there's never any, uh, there's no cross. And uh, neither of us were aware of a cross race that involved R- Roubaix. But there was a, a World Cup that finished in yeah, the Roubaix Velodrome. And now I'm remembering this race, and I don't know why I can't think of what exactly what race it was. It wasn't but, Name, was it? 
know. No, no, that's, 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 no, that's, that's on the, on the Citadel. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, right. yeah, no, it's not there. But no, you're thinking of Nam. I'm not Namor. Name. Oh, Name. Oh, in, in France. France. But I don't, know, but I don't know how they would finish the race in the velodrome. It would have to be somewhere next door. Maybe it was before they built that BMX track next door. That's right, right? Were you thinking that next year they need to go on the BMX track? Well, Sagan would be totally Ooh, up for that. So sick. So many 360 <laughs> kickflips. But the story was Katarina Nash posted a photo of her finishing a cross race in the velodrome with yep. her hands in the air and said, good luck to everybody racing. What an amazing feeling to ride into the velodrome and put your hands in the air. And that's, She, of course, is covered in mud from a cross race. Yeah. And she said, and I hope that uh, my friend who uh, also, and fellow countryman, I suppose, right? Uh, Stebar. Stebar, who yeah. also, who, who apparently won the race that year as well for the men, um, that, that she hoped that he could uh, have repeated that. Oh, they and, did a check double? Uh, I think they did. That would be yeah. checkmate. Yes. <laughs> oh. uh, but unfortunately uh, for me and my fantasy team, Shdenik oh. Stebar did no such thing this year. Yeah, I think Stebar let's just, let's is just a, Let's just move on to the next thing, can we guys? Because let's not talk about... Um, I think Stebar is a good transition to the fantasy talk because Stebar, Stebard, he got ninth. Yeah. Mm. Which is... It's worth points, you he, know? He has finished second. Yeah, before twice. Yeah. Uh, Stebar was also off the back of uh, the race at some point. He had like a flat, then he had like another mechanical. Well, then he was off the front for a while yeah. too. And then, so you know, the and then all he the came place. all the way through, and then it was off the front, and yet, and then he got ninth. He's yeah. a good. He's a good teammate. Stebar, he's a good teammate. Maybe you should try mountain biking. Mm. Could always go back to cross. He could. He could. He could probably do pretty well if he went back to cross. But, but let me let me he's just about what thirty-two now or something. He's still not that. He's not super old yeah so he finished ninth um first off that's a lot higher than any of the three of us <laughs> it's also quite a bit higher than anyone who finished from 10th all the way to dnf in that race so i mean it's top 10 he's been consistently in the top, top 10 in all of these classics yeah he's year. more he's been more consistent in roubaix than uh sagan has no doubt by far but you only, yeah, need, I mean, you how only many, need to get that cobble once. How many once. ninth places do you want to trade for one first place cobble? Oh, I, I, I would imagine he would be the first one to say that he'd trade them all yeah. for a first place in Roubaix. Absolutely. But I'm, I'm, I'm framing this in terms of having him as a 12-point rider on my fantasy team. He's earned me some points this year. Yes, uh, and and, uh, and, and Jdenek, let me just be the first to say I'm proud to have had you on my squad. I've cut you now going into the Ardennes, as <laughs> as any good DS would. Uh, but uh, thanks for the ride, and uh, I love you, Jdenek. So speaking of winners, uh, let's give a shout out to Chris Teske. Yeah, Deswine Intervention, who crushed it at Roubaix, which is a monument and a preem yeah. in our fantasy league. So I believe he That's wins right. some swag. Get some bike law swag coming yeah. your way. Still waiting for mine for the, uh, for yeah. the win. Everybody's still waiting because I haven't actually yeah. uh, been to see, uh, popped across the street. Well, I hope Charlie that yet. you're uh, keeping track of the winners. Uh, yep. Chris scored 840 points. Uh, besting out wow. Mrs. Peach's fried chicken <laughs> and Belgian beer for breakfast, Mr. Wilbuqua and A.A. Ron uh-huh. um, to take stage seven. So Chris won, I think, because, I mean, a lot of people had Sagan, but... Not he had Dillier. People. He had Dillier. And Dillier actually scored more points than the winner of the race, Peter Sagan, because, because he got so many bre- break points. He was well, in he the was break last all day. man in the break, so yeah. he got maximum break points. Maximum break points. He got second place points. 
and uh, and that that uh, gave him the highest score of any of the of any of the racers. Yeah, well, definitely man of the match. So, and if we look at our overall, oh, in, let's uh, not, let's uh, come on, let's yeah. just go. Let's yeah. Go, see, Matt wants on. to skip over all this. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Let me just let me just backtrack real quick to last Wednesday. Uh, you guys realize that uh, I uh, I won the uh, Shadow Pre uh, race. Yeah. No no preem for that. Yeah. No preem for that. I you didn't have that. the winner though. And I, I didn't have the winner. Um, and uh, Jacobson or Jacobson. Yes, I did not have. I did not have another him. quick step. But I uh, for a moment from Wednesday until uh, Perry Roubaix, I was actually in first place in the league mm-hmm. overall. Well, let's talk about the uh, the overall. Um, our buddy Jaden Vlaminik uh, Fritz is in first place mm. again. You are you are in second. Uh, Tish Bonut mm. and in That's third place. T Bonut to you, buddy. T Bonut is Mrs. Peach Fried Chicken and Will Bouquois. Yeah. My girlfriend, uh, fourth place, doing yeah. pretty well. Super tight at the top too. I mean, with yeah. uh, with the uh, four races to go, the the top three are all within a hundred points. I'm in sixth place. I don't know that I can make up that gap uh, with only five transfers left um, oh, for the Ardennes. Wow, you really blew your uh, blew your wad. Yeah, no, yeah, I really. Man, I, I had. Uh, I think I have eleven, or I had eleven. I just made a bunch of transfers, um, but even that didn't seem like enough. I think you I, made a bunch of transfers I've before. Still got about thirteen or fourteen. Bramstel Pilge. I did. Mm. There's a method to my madness. Uh, I went ahead and did it. Uh, I often find that if I don't do it when I think about it, then I forget uh, to do it. That's a good point. You yeah, before the podcast, you showed us some sort of like yeah, he's got all kinds schematic of... drawing on your legal pad. Yeah, of, I don't. I mean, like you're. I guess you're of a man of a certain age where you probably prefer to write things down than to just you know look at the computer screen. I I like to do that too, although <laughs> I I don't tend to do it with this, but maybe I should because uh, I'm sucking really bad. Yeah, where are year. you, Matt? Let's. I mean, cause, I just cause, I I went all in. I went so, all in on the Welsh trio. Oh yeah, that didn't pay off. That was yeah. a uh, that was a gamble that went by <laughs> like a sheep. <laughs> yeah, you're you know you're beating. Some you, people. You're sixth from the bottom. You uh, okay. You got fucked by the sheep fuckers. I did. Oh wow. <laughs> sheep um, shaggers. Yeah. So Shagged by the sheep shaggers. I'm I just sorry. want to point out that wow, the hell am I, Dumoulin? Not still not doing so well. Um, I'm still crushing you, Jeremy. Even yeah. though you uh, let's, I, we were, we're just gonna look at your team. Um, to see who you had. Boy, you're just not gonna let it go with all Jeremy. <laughs> no. no. And the thing he is, you, actually you know a, that he he you know he that he's actually he, yeah he, he, he had and, a decent and, team. and he's one of the five guys that routinely listens to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> you're just you know he's going to be hearing this, so that's why I'm talking about him. All right, okay. who doesn't like to hear themselves getting ragged on for the fantasy squad? He had a decent team. Uh, he just started off slow, so he's just uh, uh, yeah. All right. Well, so yeah, fantasy cycling, pretty interesting. I would take a photograph and post uh, post my little uh, legal pad musings and ramblings and rumblings uh, uh, we, on the we internet. We can try and de- decipher who you've got. Yeah, from but that. then you might it might be too much of a giveaway. So, I don't so maybe after the, too the much season's out. over, we'll uh, you'll post that. Yeah, but it's 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 good stuff. And uh, and but I, how about this? How about this? If you are listening to this podcast right now, and you send us an email requesting a photo of Townsend's fantasy scratch pad we'll send it to you just yeah. a, this is a little easter egg in the podcast see if mm, you listen sounds good perfect all right okay so that was Roubaix, and that was our that's uh our fantasy or nightmare depending on who you are 
I'm still uh, thinking I can make the podium. Five transfers. I just got to pick the five right people. Just got to have five right people. For you know four what, more uh, races. You know what you <laughs> might need to do, Bodie, in order to give yourself a chance to make the podium? Tell me. Upgrade to the new 12-speed campy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What do you think? Uh, I don't... I, I, I just upgraded on Saturday to 11-speed on my crossbody. <laughs> I mean, careful, careful what you say, because it's very possible that in the very near future we're going to have Tom Caddis, president of Campy North America, on this podcast to talk, about, to talk about some campy news, and, and, and I'm sure Tom's going to want to talk about the new 12-speed campy. Hey, I'm all about it, because then it means people are going to start selling their 11-speed stuff at bargain prices, because I'm still on 10-speed. So, but they'll be selling eleven-speed campy. They won't be selling eleven-speed. Well, speed if campy, campy people are campy people, if campy goes twelve, everybody else is going to go twelve. So next year, this time, there'll be some fire sales in eleven-speed, and I'll finally upgrade my well, bikes. So good point, Bodie, because campy was the first to go to ten-speed back in the day, right? Did not know that campy was the first to go to ten-speed. Campy was the first to go to eleven-speed. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Campy was the first to go uh, electronic. I think they were late to the game on that. They were second to the game. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, Mavic was first to the game a long time ago. Mavic Zap. And it sucked. Uh, But uh, I guess Shimano were the first of the modern, the new era to do it. And then Campy was second, and SRAM were the third. So this is is just a mechanical grupo at this point. Yeah. they the the uh, my understanding is they wanted to to come out with the mechanical uh 12 speed because they want to prove the technology first and then they'll go back and integrate it with the electronic uh shifting components so it's a mechanical only 12 speed grupo uh the 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 12 speed cassette apparently takes up the same amount of space as the 11 speed so you don't need to get new wheels and you don't need to do anything to modify your hub body. Oh, good. I'm but so, I'm so you need relieved. a new chain. You don't... Ha- they do have a new chain that comes with this. I could be totally wrong. I haven't done a whole ton of research on this. There is a slightly thinner chain that, that comes with the new Grupo. Mm. But I think that you can still run it with a Campy 11-speed chain because they've narrowed the actual... Uh, They've narrowed the cogs on the cassette so that the the, the existing 11-speed chain uh, will slide over it and still have enough space between it and the cogs on either side to not rub. Huh. So it's things are getting razor thin in there, though. Razor thin margins. At some point, um, when we get the 13, 14-speed, <laughs> someone with enough watts is just going to rip all the teeth off a, a cog. I mean, at uh, some point, we'll just go to motors, just straight motors. Yeah. You know, uh, just get rid all right. of gears Well, I mean, 12-speed. Mm. Anyway. I don't, yeah. More, I don't know. We'll, we'll have more single chain rings up front, I guess. I'm, yeah. It, it, I'm kind of still with you on this, Matt. I just finally upgraded to 11-speed, so I'm, you know, yeah. I'm hurting. It, it just, it almost hurts my eyes to just see 12-speed as I'm looking at it on the computer screen. 12 just seems, seems like too many. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, sure. I mean, it's great. I mean, obviously, you know, I remember as a kid when I had six gears on the back and my friends had five, I thought I was pretty special, but, uh, you know, it's just, I feel like that it's moving so fast now. 
with everything. Yeah. It's uh, it's hard for us all to keep up. Well, I mean, when I was growing up, you called bikes 10 speeds. Like you called a road bike. Because they had five speed. gears on the they back. Had five and gears in the back and two on the front. Yeah. So it was 10 speeds total. Yeah. So now with this campy 12, 12 speed cassette. 24. We've got 24. 24 yeah. carat. 24 carat gold. 24 carat magic. Unless you go to single ring, then you're just back to 12 speed and you're kind of. Yeah. yeah. Old school. Throw a triple on the front and you got 36. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right, guys. Well, let's. Uh, any any other pro news or anything else of, of note to talk about? I don't think so. We can talk about some local stuff. Yeah, I think we can do. I think we can gloss. I was going to quickly mention. I don't want to talk about too much. Uh, Whenever you say that, I know we're going to get a full no, detailed yeah. report. I'm not, not going to go into in it. I'm going to go use the bathroom <laughs> the on that talk. See, I knew it. He's talk the Basque Country in Spain. He's going to give us five stage detailed. I'm report. not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything more about it. I just <laughs> think it's. If I was going to go to a stage race, that would be a cool one to go to because it's very low key. It's a fantastic, fanatical Basque people on these ridiculous climbs. And uh, I think it'd be really fun. And the food's awesome there. And it seems like a really cool part of the world. I think that would be the hipster stage race to go to and have a good vacation. You only wanted to bring that. this up because you wanted us to know that you won the Pay Vasco Fantasy <laughs> yeah. Cycling. Yeah, and I want to transfer my points into the <laughs> uh, into the Spring Classic League because I smashed it. Everyone who uh, everyone who uh, entered that one finished on the podium, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they, Matt? Uh, yeah. Yes, they did. Yeah, it's <laughs> one of those, right? Where you sweep the podium and only three people show up. Yeah. But I will say one thing. Okay, Primus Roglic won the Saw overall. That. Did you also like see uh, he won the time trial? And did you see his um, podium celebration? He did the uh, Telemark ski jump landing podium celebration. Pretty sweet. Because he's a former ski jumper. He is. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. So uh, that was pretty cool. Anyway, that's it. That's all i got to say. And they win that awesome hat. It's that huge beret, which is hilarious. Yeah. That yeah. is super cool. Yeah. I will say that. Okay. Well... <laughs> It shouldn't have happened during the classic. So, all right. Um, speaking of sweeping podiums, I think we should talk about the uh, Boss Gravel Circuit Crit race that we did this Sunday. Okay. Cue the Wu Tang. Crit. Guys, uh, Sunday what, not only was Perry Bay and we had all kinds of uh, cycling viewing fun, but we also all raced together. We did. Yeah. In the same race. For, for a brief moment, we were all racing together. Yeah. Well, for a slightly longer than brief moment, you and I were racing together, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys will have to give me the how what happened uh, back there because I, you know, I just have, I don't know. Which well, you guys well, how does it ever happen back there? Let's well. Let's put this. I was racing with Bodie for a little bit longer than you were. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we were racing together for a little while, and then we weren't. Well, so let's just let's reverse. Let's yeah. set the stage. Mm. This Sunday uh, was the Boss Collective's Gravel Circuit Race Fundraiser for Dirty Kanza. Uh, we've yep. talked about this before, um, so I don't want to give too much details. Yeah, we've but talked about it before, and now it's happened, and it was worth all the hype and all the talking about because it, it, it was like grassroots racing at 
its best. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I was thinking about this race before the podcast. And I was like, we're going to talk about it, and we're just going to say it's fun a million times, and it was amazingly fun. But I was like, why? What What made it fun? And I was trying to think of what were the elements of the race that really had us so jazzed. Um, I think there are some pretty obvious ones, so I'd love to hear from you guys. Like, what what made it like what why was it so cool well i mean so i mean i think it was cool because it was kind of out of nowhere and out of the ordinary i mean it was a brand new venue that basically somebody had just scouted earlier this year so and, and unique, unique venue unique venue for yeah. sure so a new a new new venues make races new races cool yeah. right because it's you haven't done it a million times yeah. right it uh, wasn't just that it was a new venue it was actually a really great course wasn't it yeah Absolutely, it, had- it was a it's, it is a good course, and uh, it really solidifies my desire to throw a circuit race because I feel that circuit races are a perfect like melding of crits and road races where it's it allows you it's a shorter race and you do see the riders more often. Yeah, so it does allow a little more uh, fan interaction. But it's not a crit, which is just like full gas. Like you need to have your like sprints down and your VO2 max intervals in. Like it's a little more road race, where there might be sometimes the pace slows down and and you can kind of recover. Um, well, and this this one honestly had had features and and yeah, feels of this, a cross race at times. I it, thought it did. There was at one point in the race. Uh, Eric Stewart, well, he dismounted his bike a few times, but he he literally did a cross dismount to get over the mud puddle at one point in the race. Um, <laughs> did he really? Yeah, he did. <laughs> so for anybody that wasn't there, we're talking about a 3.2-ish mile uh, square. Uh, Essentially a square. Of, of yeah. uh, uh, basically two legs of the, two sides of the square were sort of ruddy, beat up pavement. Hot holy, hot holy pavement, and two, two, uh, one um, leg of the square was kind of a nice smooth dirt gravel, yeah, and one leg of the square was just a bumpy, just fuck stretch of double railroad track. gravel, double super track, loose. yeah, super loose, hot chunky, oh, God, not fun at all, yeah, um, not fun on a road bike, and uh, <laughs> our buddy Jaden showed up, literally called you. Half an hour before the race, he was 28 minutes away. You told him to come. Yeah, I told you you sucked for telling him that because um, I don't want to race him. <laughs> uh, but obviously, I, I did. You know, yeah. But, yeah. Um, so he shows up. He's on his road bike, road tires. I Basically, mean, he's on a crit bike. Yeah, he's he's ready to crit. And yeah. that first time, I mean, the, he knew what he was in for, but yeah, but he yeah. just brought he just, he just run run what he brung run what so, he brung, which is which is great. And had time to throw on some some cycling shoes and no. uh, put one pin one in pin his number. In his number. Yeah. yeah, he was dangling didn't, like didn't a flag. Didn't have any time to grab socks. Yeah, yeah. I noticed. So he was, uh, yeah. But yeah, so that was awesome. So it was it was five laps of uh, of that. It was about uh, <laughs> it was about ten minutes per lap. I mean, a little bit less, nine and a half minutes. At race pace, so it was about a, about a fifty minute race, and um, Bodie, I mean, you want to describe how it all went down? I mean, it's quickly. Uh, yeah, quickly. Uh, we had what it's like eight or nine of us in that race. Um, I think there were ten. Ten. And ten to start with. We had yeah. a, a neutral rollout from the parking lot to the venue. Uh, Lease let us out. That was kind of fun. Uh, don't usually have those, and 
we just uh once we hit the race course it kind of started out and people started riding fast and attacking and at some point uh eric stewart went out the front and we started chasing him down and stayed together for the most part until that back stretch of really really rocky gravel it, okay yeah yeah, uh, that's yeah we, where, were all, that's where, we were all uh, together uh in there i was i was with you guys till r- close to the end of that I dropped off about midway through it, and uh, by the time you guys got back around to the start finish, um, we had weeded it down. Yeah, yeah. You had uh, you had gapped Matt, and I was chasing to get back on Matt's wheel, and I'd gapped a you know a couple guys behind me. Matt and I got back together and and, and rode together for you know maybe two and a half three laps. Uh, we passed up Jaden at one point, who had flatted his crit bike on the gnarly gravel in the back. Uh, so he was basically done, although he changed his tire and got back in the race a lap down and I guess, you know, got back on with you guys at some point yeah, in it the was, front group. I mean, it's hard for me to actually remember how it all broke down, but there were shenanigans. I mean, at some point, uh, Eric Stewart eats crap in the mud hole and we're riding back through the start finish line and, and Will says like, Oh, Eric Stewart crashed back there. I don't know if he's okay. And I'm like, no, Will, he's right behind us. He just, he just like got back up to us um and then we go so, so yeah he crashed got back on his bike caught back onto you guys then he crashed again and fucked his bike up and just so happened to snag a bike from jordan stadler who was back on that back stretch yeah, the, taking photos or something happened to be jordan just happened to be riding the other way on his mountain bike to the mud hole when eric gets a flat on his bike in the mud hole jumps off grabs this, jordan's bike was this the moment that he actually like somersaulted off his bike I don't know. I think that was the first time. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And any, and so, I mean, shenanigans. Like, I didn't know we had bike changes in this race. Um, that's fine. That's cool. And, Whatever. And no pits. Fortuitously, bike I guess. change on the fly on the side <laughs> of the road. <laughs> I guess fortuitously, uh, Jordan had the same pedals as uh, exactly. As him. <laughs> yeah, the same pedals. <laughs> as luck would the have same, it. Same height, same saddle. He jumps on the mountain bike. We're racing again. Uh, Jaden then gets a flat and the really hard gravel stuff. We drop Jaden. So then it's just three of us, or it's four of us. Uh, Will goes out the front. I let him go. I don't. I don't chase him down. So then it's just he is your teammate. He is my all. teammate. So then it's just me, Brandon, Eric. Will's off the front. Where we drop Taylor. Um, I tell, I tell Eric, I'm like, you know, don't, don't attack. And, uh, I'm like, let Will get a gap. And then at some point I, Eric's in the front, I tell him to attack and he attacks. And then Brandon has to close it down and he puts in a huge effort to close it down. And I get on his wheel and, and, uh, and then, and Eric's kind of like confused at that point. Cause he's like, wait, you told me not to attack. And then you told me to attack. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's race tactics. You know, I'll, I'll let you know later, you know? Um, and so we, we tire out Brandon he drops off and then Taylor, Taylor, back on to Taylor you catches back up. And then we've got just about to hit the uh, bell lap. And all of a sudden I see Jaden behind us. And I think son of a bitch, that dude has time trialed his way back up to us after getting the flat. No. And so I attack, to uh, get a gap, figuring that Jaden's going to be tired from trying to catch us, that when he gets to the group, he won't be able to bridge to me. Um, Eric Stewart comes up behind me, then I look behind, and there, there's freaking Jaden. And he just goes by as a steamroll, and we get on his wheel, and we're riding him. I'm, I'm riding his wheel, 
And at some point, I just pop off. Like, I'm, I'm done. But he was a lap down at that point in time. I yes. did not know that, though. Okay. Yeah. So when I come across... But you don't f- remember passing him? No. I don't remember. No. I saw him get a flat, and then that was it. And then the la- next time I Maybe see him... Maybe he just hid in the trees for a while, because we passed, we passed him, and he was changing his tube. And then he never passed us back. Yeah. I'm, maybe I was going a little faster than you guys, and I was seeing a little more red. <laughs> Possibly. So, uh, anyway... Yeah, uh, I ended up getting fourth. Uh, Taylor got third. He bridged back up. He uh, he dropped me. Um, it was good times though. It was it was great. Like yeah. I said, it was a unique venue. It was fun. It was there was sort of d- different elements of the course had different challenges, and it felt like a cross trick there at the end where you really just were at your limit, and you're on that gravel section. You're just like, oh god, I'm so freaking tired. But you're just like having to turn the pedals over. Then you come to that grass section, the one tiny grass section. I'm like, this yeah. is just like a cross race. Yeah, that was a cool corner. Um, Very cool corner there. Yeah. Well, well, anyway, so yeah, so it was Will Buqua who won for Urban South, uh, followed by uh, Eric Stewart. Eric Stewart. In second. Uh, two crashes and a bike change for Eric and still manages to finish second. Dude, dude <laughs> is a beast. Dude is an animal. Uh, yeah. Taylor, Taylor finishes in third. So it was essentially an STCC uh, sweep now the, is Eric on Urban South Racing or yes not. he is yeah, yeah he, he is, is. He's be be, yeah so it was a podium sp- Urban South podium sweep to and fourth uh, yeah to fourth. fourth and then and then Brandon and then me and so then there me. you go yeah and then yeah top so we, seven so six we had six, six out of the seven. seven six out of the top seven and, and we had Bjorn too yeah. and then Nate Wood and so, well yeah. damn basically <laughs> nine out of ten well Jake don't let's well. I think oh, yeah, eight. Jayden. I think we had eight Sorry. out of eight out of ten. Eight yeah. out of ten. I gave it. Uh, uh, real quick in the B race, Alex Cormier won the B race. Yeah. Uh, and uh, teammate Trey. Trey Manthe. Trey Manthe was second. second. It was all. It was going to be a podium sweep there for a while, and then uh, Kylan flatted. Kylan flatted. Uh, Kylan, tubeless bro. A lot of and flats then, uh, in that race. Evan Gassell yeah. got uh, third Guess, in that race. Uh, did anybody who was running tubeless flat in that race? I was running tubes. I had. I did not flat at all. I you was didn't running, flat. I was running tubes. I did not flat. I know, but I don't think anybody that was running tubeless flatted <laughs> at all. Uh, <laughs> women's race, uh, Beth Reinhardt won a s- awesome sprint, sprint finish, finish. Yeah, uh, that was fun. with race organizer Ali Mariano. And boy, were the her. shenanigans in that race. Oh, yeah. Lots of lots of donut handups. Lots of... There was, uh, apparently somebody there was took a, a lap derny, off. A derny uh, lap that we, we weren't aware of. Christina Larson, also race promoter, <laughs> sat a few laps out, did a few motor <laughs> pacing sessions. Yeah. Um, and then paced her uh, teammate on the last lap. Yeah. But so, Bodie, you basically won the podcast uh, this week because yes. you finished first amongst the three of us uh, yeah. in that race. Although, Matt, I have to say, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get around to all three of us here and say that, that for various reasons, we all three won the day. Uh, Bodie, you won the day because you won the race amongst the three of us. Matt, you won the day because of your supreme donut hole hand-up technique. <laughs> One of the best and highest speed uh, hand-ups um, in a long, long time that I've yeah. seen. Yeah, that was Beautifully great. executed by both you and Alex. We'll post that video maybe on the on the Yeah You Ride page, or it's certainly it's on the Facebook page for the event. Yep. Uh, and I have to say, and uh, and Jaden uh, actually told me this uh, that that I won the day uh, because I rode to the race, did the race, 
and then rode home from the race. True. Yeah. So, I rode I rode to the race, but then I climbed in my girlfriend's car and, and got a ride home. I only stopped uh, on the way home at Urban South to watch Perry Roubaix and eat a 2.5-pound burrito. <laughs> well, I... Uh, and you wouldn't have been watching Perry Roubaix at the brewery if I hadn't brought my stuff there and set it up. So, so you're adding that to so your points. I'm going to add that. that to my points. Yeah. Do you know that I was wearing pretty much every piece of winter gear I have oh except my God. for a hat? You were uh, so whiny. <laughs> it was freezing. It really wasn't freezing. It was freezing. It was in the 40s. And it's April in yeah, New Orleans. So I'm so sorry. It was, what, it was unseasonably at, cold. At what temperature Fahrenheit does, water, does water freeze? It was in the 50s. But you got to remember <laughs> that it's humid here and there's a lot of moisture in the air. And yeah, I have my knickers on and my overshoes mm. and arm warmers and a jacket. I didn't race in a jacket, though. Um, so Jaden uh, was wearing basically nothing, right? Yeah, he was and, wearing like a summer weight. So I'm suit. riding next to him in the in the neutral rollout there, and he and he's like absolute, you know, he's like I'm absolutely freezing, and so of course as soon as you know the race is uh, the race is on, he just decides he's going to go on the front and go hard because he wants to warm up, Bastard. and uh, like an idiot, I sat on his wheel, and that first left hander turn after yeah. we're, after yeah. the race is going. He, he like braked into that turn. I was like, why are you braking? <laughs> they don't need to break here. And well, I don't, I think, I don't wiped, think he'd ridden the route yet. I huh? nearly wiped out. No, he point. hadn't ridden the course. And yeah. that's a bit of a blind turn. So this brings up a good question. And but maybe, wait, wait, wait. I, oh, but I also oh. want to bring up that we all win because we all beat Jaden. There you go. Oh, there yeah. you go. I like yeah. it. Um, so this, this race brings up a question, a tech question, and maybe some of our listeners can provide me with insight. Maybe you two guys have a couple ideas. Mm. Matt, I was on my cross bike. I was yeah. in the power tap uh, wheels with the power meter. Yeah. Um, I got an email when I uploaded the ride that mm. I set a new threshold value. Yeah. Um, and I had lowered my threshold since last summer because I hadn't done training and I did, went out and did a test on my road bike and it was pretty low. So I lowered it. Right. Uh, my threshold, according to your power tap, has now jumped 40 points. 30 points. 30 watts. 30 watts. Yeah. But you haven't been racing or riding super hard, and this was a really hard effort. Yeah, I mean, it was a super hard effort. I mean, I my training has been group rides, so I have gotten some fitness back, obviously. Yeah. But there's, I, there has to be a discrepancy between my road, bike, power meter, the vector pedals, uh, version one, and the PowerTap yes. P3 hub. So I don't know... G3. G3. I don't mm. know how what to do in order to get accurate data because, I you think, know, training peaks in Strava, your fitness and freshness are based off your heart rate and power meter, and you're, you're going to get different numbers if you have a different... Yeah, but here's I the thing. Here's the do. thing. I think what you can do is you can actually ride with both of them together at the same time you can you can put that power tap hub on your well it doesn't matter put the pedals on your cross bike right but then you'd have to recalibrate that those things are a pain in the ass right because you have to recalibrate them every time you attach them so from a tech point of view it would make sense for you to so put a road tire on my on the power tap hub yep put that yep on my road bike, yep, and then go do a test. 
Yeah, so I mean, my, my, my suggestion to you when you asked me this question offline was to put the... Uh, it's actually online. Uh, that's true. It was online. <laughs> off air. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the, put, the, uh, put a road tire on the power tap hub wheel. Put it on your bike that has the, the Garmin pedals. Uh, pair the power tap hub to your Wahoo and pa- pair the Garmin pedals to your smartphone or mm-hmm. borrow someone's uh, computer, another, head unit. Uh, another yeah. head unit and pair it to those and then just see what your, see what your numbers are. Well, I do, have two, I do have two computers right now. I haven't sold my Garmin 500 yet. Yeah, so do that and then figure out what the offset is. My other piece of advice and what I would clearly do in this situation and always have done with power Take the biggest number that that any device gives you and roll with that one. I concur. I would do, that. That's the easiest way to go. But I would say this. I think um, my experience with the power taps, and I've had. I have. You know. Now I only have two. I did have three of them. Uh, is they're super consistent and they're super. E- that you know. You just have to zero it out. That's all you have to do, and to calibrate it, you don't, don't have to I've do. Seen, I don't. I mean, I. I don't. I don't know. I calibrated it on my 500, but I just paired it with my Wahoo and I didn't do anything. So Well, if you've got it on your Wahoo, I would say with your Wahoo, you just do the calibration thing and basically you just coast along and don't pedal and that will zero out the watts in it. Um, so that will, that will, that will reset It'll get it. rid of the extra watts that are it like, it will get rid up. of any excess watts yeah, that might be sitting you're still in there. Got some, you still got some of Matt's carryover watts. You've probably got that. some of my watts. So yeah. you're welcome. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was, you know, it was a little lanyap for you there. And just gave you some, uh, gave you a few watts extra. Uh, but in my experience, and and I think others back this up. I know DC Rainmaker. If you've ever uh, gone down the the, yep. the little the, bit the rabbit, rabbit hole, hole of his yeah. website, um, he rates that pretty much up there with the SRM for accuracy. So it's, uh, it's so a, then I'm so then Garmin's been you know these vector pedals have been making me feel slow this entire time. Slowing you down, bro. That's what I'm yeah. saying. You got to just pick that big number and pick just big number. trust it. I, think I do look- also weigh like 10 more pounds, so it's a bigger number. But So I finished still. way behind you, right? Yeah. And my, your 20 minute was what? My 299 or something. 290 something? Yes. 290 something. My 20 minute was 250. So, you know, that sounds about, that sounds probably about right. I don't have power on my cross bike, but I'm guessing my 20 minute was somewhere around maybe 450, 475. <laughs> That's interesting. That Damn, bro. What were you just gonna, riding then? Just the wind, the wind really picked up uh, after me. Yeah. yeah or do you weigh 500 estimate. pounds? Yeah. Like, because I didn't. That's I was big, really hoping to, you know, Matt, you had a plan where you're just going to go off the front and go hard as you can. Yeah, that didn't play, that didn't play yeah, that, out that at all. That plan doesn't work out when you're not as fast as the people that you're racing with. And I also, I, uh, I was like, I could not get up to, I couldn't get above threshold. I just couldn't get above it. And oh, uh, I was immediately at threshold. I mean, I was, I, I was at threshold power, but I couldn't get like my heart rate. I could not get it up, up um, above. I think I, my max heart rate was like in the 170s and it just i couldn't go any harder my chest was hurting and it was like oh yeah i've got and you know a little bit of uh trouble downstairs the whole week and uh so but yeah i think well, my, my sign not to like excuse my crappiness i had a great race i loved it it was fun but uh i'm definitely a little under the weather at the moment so to to your to your earlier question then we should close this 
Boss Gravel Circuit segment out and move on to the Sunny King Crit, which mm-hmm. I think we want to talk about before we before we leave. But to to your first question of what made this race great, we talked about you know we talked about the venue. Um, uh, it was also great that it was just kind of you know sort of a bandit organized you know fundraiser for for the Boss uh, Collective and their trip up to to Kanza. Uh, there were donuts there. There were prizes. They did a great job organizing the event. Uh, it was super fun, low key, mm-hmm. very very friendly, laid lo- back, laid back, low barrier to entry. There was no. I didn't have the you know the the pre race jetters and no. the, you know how's this race going to pan out. It was all fun, no matter you know no no pressure. It was just a great thing to have on the weekend. It was close enough to my house that I could ride to the ride, do the do ride to the race, do the race and then and then ride home and yeah. I got I got a nice ride out of it. Um, great friends hanging out with you guys, hanging out with the rest of folks in in our club. Um, folks, you know, from NOBC, Jaden from La Sport, just, you know, a big open friendly scene. Uh, just tons of tons of good vibes and we need more of that. Yeah, more of that super like get everybody, you know, just show up, just have fun, don't worry about it. It's Did not... I say donuts already? Yep, you Good. said donuts. Coffee. Well, I mean, I mean obviously like I'm, you know, I'm a race promoter so are you towns and I mean I look at this and I go, "Great, I want to sanction this race. I want to have more people there. I want to mm. make it bigger." Yeah. I mean, do you think that sanctioning this race would make it not as fun? You know, I mean, I think there's we've had because this I feel discussion. like sanctioning race would maybe draw more people. Yeah, so I think it would make it different, uh, and I don't know that better or more fun is even a, a, a way to think about it. It would make it different, and yeah. I think that would also be great. I mean, yeah. we've had this conversation when we've well, talked about what to do with you know with bandit cross races. Like, it would be cool to have more sanctioned cross races in town too. But there is a place for there is a place for bandit races to happen for reasons like what we're talking about here you know some I, people are maybe put off by having to th- you know think about a sanctioned race and you know they don't want all the pressure of have you know have, have to have a license although most of the people that race this well, race were licensed racers yeah but it, it, it could also be I, I almost feel like yeah I like the there was no pressure it was just fun everybody you know everybody out there was having a laugh it didn't really matter it was. It wasn't. You know. It, well, does it, it ever really matter? It didn't. Even I mean, people are racing. Yeah. People are racing, but it's like it's not. It's not the most important thing in the world, and it's not. You're got, not getting any upgrade points and all this kind of stuff. People are out there racing for the fun of racing, which makes a slightly. It makes it slightly different. It was. I. I agree with you. It's like you don't feel any pressure from it. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to jump in the A race. It's like if this was a real race, I would have been like, oh, I'm going to jump in the Bs because I could win that. You know. That yeah. makes a difference. But I actually, it's like, I'm going to challenge myself with guys I know that are faster than me because there isn't, a, nothing is riding on this. I mean, as a low barrier entry is $10. I mean, really, you can't, like, you can't, you can't say no to $10 for a race. Right. Um, I know that when you sanction races, obviously you can't do $10 races because you can't afford it. it. Just, it doesn't make sense on a budget wise. Right. Um, I guess I, I, I'm looking at a race like this and, and wondering how I can bring that over to some of the races that we do because I think that some people think that just because a race is sanctioned by USAC that it that it has to be 
sort of uptight and not as fun. And that there are a way, there are, there is space in USAC to put on a race like this. Right. I still want to have my Sunny Kings and my Harbor Master Crits, my freaking just my Criteriums. Like those are still great. But I still want, I still think USAC has room for these alternative events too. And I do always like the idea of a race that uh, is put into a national system um, and that you are paying to be have your results online. And that might sound kind of silly or self-serving to a racer, but it is, it's an archive of something. It doesn't just kind of disappear on a piece of paper, but like it's there mm-hmm. and like it's a record of this activity. So I don't know. It's just a lot to think about and I'm excited to try something new. Agreed. <laughs> well, I have one question about that and and that would be, how how does it fall into categorization as a a, a sanctioned race because it's not a road race it's not circuit a race crit. circuit race is a road race but it's not a road race really is it no no, no but like you, th- this this would be a road race you, it would not be a criterion it would be a road race but it would it would mean to be a circuit race and i guess i'm thinking of yeah so it, you could totally sanction this because it was a, it was a circuit race um circuit race for anyone who wants to know, follows under uh, criteriums for upgrades. But uh, yeah, it's totally what we did. Circuit race is basically a criterium-ish distance on an open road. Right, but the, but what about the surface? Nope, the Rouge Bay is a road race. It's yeah, on surface gravel. doesn't matter. Okay. Surface doesn't matter. Okay, so right. we I mean we could we could do next year Harbor Master where one Saturday <laughs> you bring your cross bike and then Sunday you bring your crit bike. People like to have more bikes, right? Yeah. We get rid of we get rid of the time trial bike. No one cares about the three mile time trial, <laughs> and we bring in a cross bike instead. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm open I'm open to all of this. I like doing all this right. kind of stuff. Okay. All right. So cool let's stuff. But anyway, thanks to the bo- ladies of Boss for an awesome event. We had a blast. Do more races. So Sunny King, Sunny King, yeah. This so on that was Saturday. Saturday, Saturday you know, the, one of the biggest crits in our area. In our area, it's like six hours away. But a lot of people that we know, uh, a lot of Lambert riders go to Sunny King. Uh, this year was no exception. Um, we had two of our teammates, Chip Parker uh, and Emily Gass, went up, and then our good buddy Jim Booth, who raced with us last year, who's racing for NOBC this year, went up to do it. They, Jim and Chip, did the. Cat four criterium. Jim finished Cat four over thirty five. That's right. right. Thirty five plus Cat yep. four criterium. I think Jim finished second or third. third. Jim was third. Chip was seventh yep. in the crit. Uh and then just before we leave those two guys, I know we want to get back to the crit, but there was a road race on Sunday and they did that and they finished one two in the thirty five plus Cat yeah. four road race. So congratulations to those two guys. That's great to see. Great photo. Great to see a podium photo with uh Two uh, New Orleans guys uh, on the podium in an Aniston, Alabama road race. Yeah. 
kudos. One New Orleans guy, one uh, Mobile guy. Oh yeah, sorry, New Orleans team. Sorry, guys. Yeah. yeah, and then on so in on sun on Saturday at Sunny King, our teammate Emily Full Gas Gas got third in the women's three four five race. Yeah, and I guess that was that race is live streamed. I missed that one. Um, I did too. I, I, I only caught the women's and and it. I gotta say the feed was a little confusing because I was seeing a feed and it was like, oh no, that was apparently last year's race. They had like they were showing something for a while, and then they showed the current women's race. So okay. it got a little bit confusing at one point. Well, I watched the women's race and I was not confused. Well, there was something going on earlier. I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, shout out to Emily. She also did the the road race the next day, which was a it was Just either a open, four yeah. four five race, and she's a cat three or a P one two three. So all the pro women uh, who raced the crit the night before. She was thrown in with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, she got packed time. Yeah. So that's amazing. I don't know. I mean, yeah. we've watched Emily. I think maybe one of her first races was Rouge Bay. She did Harbor Master a couple of years ago as like probably her second or third race. Um, just has really developed and just getting stronger all the time. So that's a hell of a finish. I got to say, that's a great result. I mean, that, that field, that road race was won by Peter Mullins, Peter Mullins of Hagen's Berman Superman, one of our favorite, uh, women's teams. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, Peter Mullins is just kind of a dominant racer. Yeah. She um, was super cool that Emily was even in a race with her, much less that she's finishing with the pack. So that's great. Yeah. She, I mean, last year she basically just crushed the whole U S crit scene. Didn't she? She really did. Um, and Emily finishes uh, in the pack with her. So kudos, Emily. So speaking of crushing the crit scene, uh, Holowesco Citadel in the men's uh, oh. pro P1 race, uh, super, super dominant. Nobody had an answer for anything. They sent two guys. They sent one guy off the front who lapped the field uh, and then came and rejoined the pack. Then they sent another guy off the front. Yeah. who ended up lapping the field. Then they had an, a third guy who was out in the break. With Daniel Holloway. Yeah. And uh, he got third. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the guy who was in the break, leader on the road, uh, two guys in that break were racing for third and fourth. And Holowesco Citadel, uh, who was the guy who finished third? I can't remember his name now. Campione. 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 Uh, out sprinted yeah. uh, uh, Holloway for Which is Italian third. for champion. Well, there you go. I mean, yeah, they kind of, I, I think they did the same thing in the road race, went one, two, three, four. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that race they was had, won. I didn't watch it. They but. also had seven guys in that crit. I mean, they had a full force. There. Yeah, but there were there were And they're some, a pro-Conti team now. Yeah, and, and, and but there were some teams that had numbers in that race as well, but they just... Uh, but conspicuous by their guys. absence this year were some of the other big teams, right? Uh, UHC yeah. UHC didn't show up in the men's or women's races, did they? No, uh, UHC was there in the women's race. Um, but not in, in the, the women's men's. race, a UHC rider got out sprinted by a Haggins Berman Superman rider. Um, there was a break of three, and uh, gosh, I'm forgetting her name. Is that the road race? No, no in, the, in the crit race, I'm saying. Oh, so in the crit race, it, uh, second was the Meteor. Oh, no, she was third. So Lily Williams got first in the women's crit. Loretta Hansen with UHC got second. And Harriet Owen. Harriet Owen from England. Yep. Got third. third from the Meteor team. So, yeah, I mean, there wasn't, in terms of the men, like, there wasn't a full, 
you know, Rally wasn't there. No. Um, didn't you know Jelly Belly? They don't really do crits. They don't seem like anymore. Um, you know, I Hollow West Coast Citadel has bumped up to the Pro Conti. I think they are trying to get to bigger races, bigger stage races. So it was interesting. They seen that they they had guys there. Yeah. Um, you know, they they won it last year. I think they won it the last two years. So maybe it's like, hey, we'll, we'll come back. Right. And spank everybody. Daniel Holloway. And they're based in the southeast, right? Greenville, I believe. Yeah, Greenville, I mean, which where is where Hincapi is. Where Hincapi lives, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Daniel Holloway got fourth, and you saw when Ruben Campione, you know, attacked him on the finishing straight. That Daniel had nothing, and he gave an interview, you know, pre-race where he's talking about that he's been he hasn't stopped since last year, last crit season. He's been doing track, you know, he's won a World Cup. Uh, talking about his endurance over, you know, thirty k is is not that strong. So yeah. You know, he's the kind of guy who's been around, so he can he can make the smart moves. He can get in that that break, but when it comes to push him to shove at the end for a sprint, he's he's not really gonna gonna be there for it. Um, yeah, I I feel like you know I I have a lot in common with him at the moment. You know, I've been working on my very short efforts, and uh, obviously that eighteen mile, uh, seventeen eighteen mile effort uh, on yesterday was was probably a little bit too much for where I'm. You know. Where you're at what, I've, what I've been what yeah. I've been focusing on, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I I feel you, Daniel. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sunny King, freezing cold weather, um, rainy, mm. looked pretty miserable in that uh, that crit on Saturday night. Yeah, some of those guys were started out the race in jackets. Yeah, they were pulling yeah. jackets off in the crit. You don't often see that. No, that's unusual. Yeah. Uh, we had a few other Lambert riders, a uh, bunch more. Um, a lot of guys from the Velovit team um, out of Jackson. Uh, I guess probably the most notable finish would be um, Jack White, who we talked about on the podcast. Uh, he got eighth in the Cat Two race. Not, it's I great. mean, great. I mean, like he just upgraded Cat Two, so yeah, great, strong finish. Mm. And I think since he's a Cat Two, he also raced in the P One Two Road Race. Oof. Yeah, um, I don't know. That, that had to hurt. Yeah, I'm sure that was a, a pretty brutal. Um, Jack's a big, big kid. He's not a not a little tiny climber either. No, not at all. And there um, were some big climbs in that in that road race. Yeah. Uh, what well, do you guys want to talk real quick? Just uh, Rocky Mountain was also this weekend up in Shreveport, um, and I know we had some had some results up. Uh, yeah, I mean they. They had uh, they had their race Rocky Mount. I guess this is the second race the Lambra calendar really of this year for road racing. Um, yeah. Or actually, maybe it was the opener, uh, the road race opener for for the Lambra calendar. If you don't also include the two lane race that happened this weekend, as well, a lot of racing this weekend. So smaller fields out in Rocky Mount, but looks like they had, they had some good racing. Some guys from Arkansas came over and uh, stomped on us Lambert folks. So, mm. oof, I got to hurt. Yeah, uh, happens. It does. Small district here, you know. Yeah, some uh, some strong strong riders in in Arkansas. But yes. our, our teammate Chris Nevels uh, finished ninth in the Cat Four race. <laughs> got a message from Chris. All right, nasty Nevels. Yeah, way to go. Way to represent. I think he was the uh, was the only member of the Urban South team that was that was up there. We had again a few in Aniston, and then a bunch of us uh, stayed home to do the gravel race. So, 
Yeah, and so just looking forward on our Lambert calendar, I mean, I think so. Harbor Masters coming up in two weeks, uh, two weekends. Uh, Townsend, we've got we've got a lot to do. It's creeping up. Uh, I That's just true. I just ordered the trophies for our Cat Four Five folks. Good. Um, talking to some food trucks, and before Harbor Master, though, we have the Spring Track Endurance Series at the Baton Rouge Velodrome That's on right. Wednesday nights. Yeah. So if you are gonna race the fixed gear crit. And it's been a while since you've ridden your fixed gear bike. Go to Baton Rouge and do a little track racing. Uh, it's a good, it's a good uh, exercise to get you used to riding, riding close to people. Yeah, riding That's close right. to people. Yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, I was, uh, I rode back from Tuesday Loops last week with uh, Jason Cashmere outside, and he told me that yeah, he's going to be out there for. There's going to be, um, I guess, there's a team pursuit, right? Uh, 4K. All right. 4K team pursuit. So I think he's going to be hooking up with some of the Nola Fix guys nice. to do that. Um, yeah. Well, good. Well, guys, any parting thoughts? I mean, we need to cover anything else. I think we've been talking for a while. Um, I don't think so. I think I think I think we've got it. I think I think we should we should let our viewers go and get on with their day. Yeah, it's a big one tonight. We uh, we we went we went deep. Uh, into the podcast cave. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm going to close out yeah, you my do it. bit, shall I? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, this is uh, Cheerio, and uh, I just want to say to everybody out there in podcast land, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, hey, this is the T-Bone. I guess I'm going to sign off saying uh, maybe next time I'll get you in the gravel, Matt. And this is the Bodhi Bodhi saying once again, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please send us an email at yayuride at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes. Uh, we'd like, we haven't had a review in a while, and we'd like a new one. And I'll see you all at the Harbormaster. I mean, I just got to have Tanner Bay. I'm pretty, pretty freaking stoked.
guess everybody else is too, and this is what we do, so I guess I'll just try to push through it. I mean, you don't have any choice, you just push through it, so. Was there a particular feeling you got at Skeleton Press that led to the top 10 goal, or? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, when you get to the end of it, that race 200K, and I felt like I got to the end of it and I wasn't like too tired, I was sort of happy. Whereas in getting wave again, 200k into that race, I was like, I felt destroyed. I had some bad luck, but I feel like everybody's got excuses for everything. And you feel the way that you feel. In these races, everybody has bad luck, so. Um, yeah, and there's no hills in this race, you know? I'm 85 kilos. I maybe don't look like I'm 85 kilos. That would you said that that'd be what you would say if you wanted to make me feel good. But like, I mean, Seth is 78 kilos. All these dudes are a good eight, nine kilos lighter than me. So when we're going up climbs, that's the equivalent of 18 full water bottles.
Not a lot, to be honest. Just like, oh, like, fuck. I'm so uncomfortable in my body right now. 